What are you listening to? You don't know that the guy's just put I know that. No, this is one that I know. Tom Brady's bordering now on Godlike. You gotta put the bourbon down and go to a doctor. He's... All right, listen up, y'all. What's up, everybody, and welcome to Bump and Run. I'm Pete Colasano, joined as always by my good friend Scott Bracey. What's going on, dude? Good afternoon, buddy. How are you? I'm doing well. We were just talking about the Yankees off air. So you got your Yankee hat on. Things are going well. We don't need to address anything right now. We don't want to address it because we don't want to jinx it. But things are going in a good direction. That's where we'll leave it at for today. Not a peep out of me. Happy as a clam. Going to the game tomorrow, weather permitting, and let's ride. That's, That's all I got. Okay. Any golf on the horizon for you? I got no golf, although I got a nice message from Mr. Dean this morning about his uh, players in the DK. I saw. Um, I don't even know what tournament this is, uh, sadly to say. I've. Uh, this is not a uh, Jack's tournament? Look into your little mini smart machine. I've taken a week or two off be... after the PGA Championship. Did you have a little rough go of it there? Is that why? No, I just uh, – the week after it always sucks because no one goes. Yeah, they, yeah. They, always, they always take a breather, and then this week I Poorly really never got – I, I didn't get like on this track. Jack this Mitchell's is the memorial, so yes, yeah. you're right. This is Jack. Yes, yeah, so you know what? Maybe I will tune in a little bit to this one. Yeah, yeah. I think I think so. Good one, good one to tune into. I know the players look at this one as one of the uh, minor uh, or major minors. Like it's not a major, yeah. but it's an important one to get your hands on to be able to say you won Jack's tournament. So we'll look out for that. Yeah, what this one, Arnold Palmer's and uh, the TPC Sawgrass. The, yeah, what is it? The Players Championship. Players Championship. Yeah. Yeah, so. not one they look at. So those are like your three um, major minors, I guess you. And know. just real quick to uh, accommodate Mr. Uh, uh, Ralph, I took your cousin, the Rangers. Yes, yes, a he was asking about it. A beautiful start to this Eastern Conference Finals, which is. Tremendous, considering they're a very young team. They're about a year or two ahead of schedule, according to the experts. But when you have a goalie like Igor and a young, hungry team that's hot right now, man, I tell you, buckle up. You never know what can happen here. Yeah. Now, in our defense, we did mention, I think it was last week or the week before, we did mention about how hockey play, uh, playoff hockey is one of the best sporting events to watch. It's better in person, but even on TV, it's a great thing to watch because there's just intensity from beginning to start. And uh, you certainly had that. What was the final score of that game? 6-2. So it was 1-1 after the uh, was it after the first intermission? It was 1-1, and then it was 2-2, and then 4 unanswered. Then the Rangers took off. So the Rangers are looking good. I used to be a bit of a – well, not a bit of a, a diehard Devils fan. I have multiple pictures with – Myself, the Stanley Cup, and my my father and I with the Stanley Cup uh, back in the day when Martin Brodeur was tending the Nets, and um, and they won the Stanley Cup. But since I moved down <laughs> by Atlantic City, I've lost my kind of hockey itch. It's full interest. It's not wasn't the same, and and uh, so I'm actually kind of following along with the Rangers here. And like you said, they're a fun team to watch. They're it's not yeah. um, it's a little like a little bit ahead of schedule. So very cool. So good luck to the Rangers. Jump on in, babe. The water's fine. Yeah, I love – listen, I actually tuned in last night. I happened to tune in at the wrong time. I tuned in just as it was the first intermission, and I'm like, nope, I'm going to change the channel. And then I never went back <laughs> probably because I fell asleep, but that's besides the point. I really I really went on ESPN with all intention of watching some playoff hockey because it is fun, man. It definitely is. <coughs> Excuse me. 
Um, just following up on a story we talked about last week about how, you know, Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher, well, basically Jimbo Fisher just ate Nick Saban's lunch and sold him out to the devil, uh, <laughs> you know, calling out allegations of Google this guy and see what he's done. Nick Saban, it all started because Nick Saban kind of was at least intimating, or he said Texas A&M bought their players. Now, with the new NIL deals, name, image, and likeness deals, you know, Buying players is kind of not illegal anymore. So in a way, he wasn't saying they were cheating. So when Jimbo Fisher goes bananas and said, don't call me a cheater, don't call me a liar, it seemed a little aggressive being like, that's not what he called you. And as I said to you, I felt Saban was coming more from an angle of, we should be doing more of this now because yeah. if we're going to if we're gonna maintain at least on the same playing field, we can't expect players to come here not getting money and but and, and they get the opportunity to get money going somewhere else. Um, I still believe that's what he intended. Um, so, but, but what was interesting this week is that they had the SEC coaches meetings. I would have been done anything to have been at this, at this meeting because um, you know, you're getting all the head coaches in one room at the same time, you know? So just to see like Jimbo walk in the room, with Nick Saban and either what the looks are, what ends up being said, and we'll never know. Um, you know, the, the commissioner of the SEC basically slapped everyone's wrist and said, we don't attack each other. We we dominate everybody else. We don't try to, you know, out, outmatch each other in this conference. In fact, you, you watch Dan Patrick. Dan Patrick flat out said that uh, Lane Kiffin told him they had to yeah, cancel come on. Yeah. yeah, come on, wasn't allowed to come on. I think the guy, the guy who runs the SEC, his last name Greg is Sankey. Sankey, Sankey, Sankey yeah. yeah. He said, "Yep, we're gonna nip this shit in the bud right now." Frankly, it's the right thing to do by Sankey. It sucks for us because we want to hear what these guys have to say. We love to hear the battles. Would have loved to have heard what what Lane Clip Kiffin had to say because Lane Kiffin, frankly, is one of the guys that's kind of I don't want to say full blown anti NIL, but he has said multiple times, like we got to figure out some way to control this better because it's just, it's out of control. And um, I wanted to say one thing about NIL and, and I thought there, there's a way that this could be better um, than schools paying players. And here's why theoretically speaking, if you look at like the NFL or, or any professional sport, you get like a first round draft pick, that kid's going to play. Why? Because you're paying him a shitload of money. You're not going to sit a first round player for long. You know what I'm saying? You're paying him a lot of money. You're going to find out if that kid's going to play um, because you're the one paying him. Theoretically, and I'll explain why I say theoretically, it could be interesting with college because like, let's say like, let's go back to you know, when Kyler Murray was at Oklahoma. If Kyler Murray was getting a million dollar, $2 million deal from some whether it be a shoe company, a local car dealership, or whatever the case may be, that falls under no obligation of the school as far as like him getting playing time. Because as a coach, I go, I don't give a shit what you get from anybody. Right. This is my team. I run this team. You suck, or you're playing like shit, or your attitude sucks, or you're yeah. out of pocket. I'm not responsible for the uh, the car dealership paying yeah. you any money. I don't care. That's yeah, it. that's your problem and their problem. That's yeah. not my problem. Now, the real world, we know that like that car dealership probably is a huge donator, you know, of money to the, to the school booster, all that kind of stuff. So some pressure could be brought. Um, no doubt about it. 
But in theory, it could be, you know, it could be a good thing. Not a good thing, but it could be better than if the school, because they were talking originally before the NIL stuff came up about schools paying the players. And that's where it was like, well, some schools can pay and some schools lose money on sports. Yeah. So how, do you, yeah. how, do, how do you justify that? Right. So frankly, this might be a more fair way of doing it. They definitely, they're, they're, what, the N, what the NCAA should do is they need, what, and some of what we've talked about, is some of the transfer rules need to change. And maybe you can only transfer once. And if you transfer a second time, you lose some eligibility or something like that. Then that would that might have might stop some of the just just constant free agency that goes on, which is just it's insane. Um, but it is interesting that Nick Saban kind of backtracked a little. Um, he, he tried to say, like, well, it's not what I was saying. I wasn't saying he did anything illegally. I wasn't saying anything directly about him personally. But, you know, it was. It's kind of like what's going like he tried to backpedal and it was like eh, it was kind of not an apology but yeah pulling it, pulling it back a little bit. He that might have pulled a hamstring backpedal in there. Yeah, yeah. You know you don't want that kind of heat. Plus, let's be honest, Texas A and M has had some good recruiting classes and this year they had the top recruiting class. So you know yep. you're not trying to add any bolt and board material to any of your games coming up anyway. So there's that. I just thought I would start off with that because I just no no I hear you. Um, so something has come up over the last couple of weeks that I keep hearing about, and I'm a Jets fan, and I often get people saying, well, you know, you're biased because you're Jets. I think my opinions, there's opinions and then there's what I want. And when I give you my opinions of what I'm seeing, I try to keep the bias side out of it. And then what I want is obviously for the Jets to win the fucking Super Bowl this year. Like, there's no denying that that's what I want. So I'm going to give you what I'm going to call here one of my unbiased opinions. There's been a lot of talk over the last couple of weeks since the schedule came out, and it was on a week that we didn't have the podcast, um, that the Jets' schedule, and frankly for the third year in a row, is like ridiculously front-loaded, and they're probably, at least if you were to go to Vegas right now and, and try to place a bet on the first nine games of the Jets' season, they're probably an underdog in every one of those games. And I hear I hear people saying – and I just want to be perfectly clear when I say this. I do not hear this from coming from the Jets. So this is not like the Jets are griping about this. But I hear a lot of people saying it just seems unfair that once again, the Jets, a young, uh, inexperienced, you know, had a poor season last year. And it seems like they're just getting hammered with the schedule in the beginning of the season. Now, some people might say to me, like, do, do you agree? And I say, no, um, here's what you don't hear. Do you know if Buffalo's schedule is front-loaded with lots of tough teams? Do you hear anything about that? Is Tampa's? How about the Rams? Do you know if the Rams' Rams schedule is front-loaded? Green Bay, do you know if it's front-loaded? No. You know why? Because they're the good teams, and they don't look at it and say, oh, shit, our schedule is front-loaded with a lot of really good teams. I don't want to hear it. Like, I don't want to hear – I don't want to hear for the last – what have we been talking for four months since free agency started – that the Jets have kind of like really done, made some good decisions and and beefed up this team, the offensive line, through the de- through uh, through the draft, they brought in you know uh, defensive back safeties, wide receivers, all this kind of stuff. We bring in two tight ends. We got oh, we really upgraded everything. Everything's just upgraded, and then we're going to complain that the schedule's hard. It's the freaking NFL. It's the goddamn NFL. As soon as you say the schedule's too hard, what you're saying is you're not good enough. So. 
I just want to put this. Th- I want to put this idea that somehow the schedule's too tough. You got to put that to bed, dude. Was Cincinnati saying that last year? They were only like a four or five win team the year before. Like you just can't. You can't go into it already saying the schedule is too tough and unfair. Yeah, you make it. You make an excuse before the season even starts. It's not even. I mean, it is an excuse, but it's also basically an, an admission that you're not good enough. And you can't on one hand say we're so improved, we've upgraded so much in our talent, we believe. Now, again, the the Jets are not the ones that are complaining about the schedule. And you can go look at it, dude. It is a pretty tough schedule. Don't get me wrong. I'm going there now, Coach. Yeah, they play first three games of the season. They play the the NFC North. So you got got Baltimore week one, Browns, then Steelers. So like three in a row. I actually think there's a if they're if they are as improved as they think they are, I could see them winning two out of those two out of three right there. Jets open up Ravens. Why don't you read off the first? I think it's nine games. 9-11, Baltimore home loss at Cleveland, depending on quarterback. I don't know. Home versus Bengals loss at Pittsburgh. Don't know. Home Dolphins. Don't know. At Green Bay loss at Denver loss. New England home. I don't know. Buffalo. Yeah. Wow. So your first nine games and you have a week 10 bye, And then you got one more. And then you got no at New England. And then Chicago home. That's a and win. then it opens up and gets at, a little easier. No, 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 Vikings at Bills. Uh, well, I mean, I'm just, I mean, your division is that, tough. Your last four, Detroit, Jacksonville, Seattle, Miami. I'm just saying Vikings, even Vikings. I mean, that's not – my point is I don't care. Oh, you got to love your December 22nd primetime game. What's Finally. That? What is it? Jets, Jaguars, 815. Yeah, so that's probably Thursday nighter, right? <laughs> um. You can't you can't say you're an improved team, you're an improved organization, and like automatically call for losses. Again, the Jets are not the ones saying this. I want to be clear. It's either Jets fans or analysts. Oh, you can't. Again, you don't hear this coming from Baltimore. You don't hear Baltimore saying, "Oh, Jesus, our schedule is so front." Nobody cares. This is the NFL. It's every game is tough, even against shit teams. Look at the Detroit Lions last year. They won two games, but they gave twelve game twelve games. They made other teams shit their pants. You can't mail in anything. The Jets the Jets almost beat okay. Tampa. So, like, you can't look at any game and be like, we can win. Well, we'll win this one. We can't win that one. That's ridiculous, you know? Even the Denver game. Like, you can't look at it. It's first, you know, a, a new new starting quarterback. Like, why you're not going to give it up. But just to say, like, wow, it was tough. No shit, it's tough. They're all tough. Like, come on. I mean, I mean, just how many, how many easy games? I mean, you don't play in the SEC. How many easy games do you think you're going to have? Look at your own team, coach. You beat the Bengals and the Titans. Yeah, exactly. So, and and so. basically, we're about thirty seconds away from beating Tampa. Yeah. So, like, for people who say, "Oh boy, what's the matter?" It's quite dark out there. Yeah, there's supposed to be some thunderstorms oh, rolling in. Boy. Um, for people who say, "Oh, it's almost unfair." No. Then then you're then you're admitting you're not good enough. So then you're saying you're still only a what a six win team. I mean, we talked about it before the schedule ever came out that this should be, you know, if it was seven wins, I think I'd be a little disappointed. Eight, nine is where I think they should be. And I'm, I stand by that regardless of how so-called difficult the schedule is. you got to win games. What are we talking about? Why improve your team if you're not expecting to win more games? You crybaby Jeff fan. It's just ridiculous. It's embarrassing, frankly. You just don't – I mean, it's just to me it's silly. Go win the games. Well, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals were – I think they were a four-win team. Maybe they had five. I don't even think they had five the year before. 
and they just went to the Super Bowl. I don't want to hear it. They play in the AFC North. The Niners did a couple years ago. Dude, it's so easy to do it now. I, I, yeah, shut up. I, it's not that it's easy. It's just like it's. this is the deal. <laughs> you know what I'm not saying? Easy. It's not easy, but it's it's more. No, it's not easy for anybody, though. That's kind of my point. I mean, you yeah. can look at like Maybe you can look at Green Bay and say, well, they got it easier. But still, you know. Well, and how many times have they shit their pants? So I mean, Exactly. So, you know, yeah. it, you don't get to do this. You know, you can complain about it. Or you can say, well, look at the Raiders who have – loaded up and now they have like by far the toughest division in the goddamn world so yeah you know well that's the first thing that came to mind too like you're lucky you're in the division you're in it could get a lot worse than that anyway yeah. so frankly you should be better than new england this year if you upgraded as much as you say if, if you upgraded as much as you say you have and if your quarterback is as good as you're saying he is then you should be better than new england this year zach wilson should be better than mac jones i'm sorry Agreed. he's more athletic he's got a better arm he's got a better uh, he throws a better ball with bet more accuracy, more arm angles. Like, come on. So, you know, you got more, you got better weapons. Offensively, you're light years ahead of New England. Now, defensively, they might be a little bit better than you, but then you should, you know, you should be able to score on them. Like, you got you got better weapons on offense. Not even I don't want to hear that stuff. I just don't want to hear. Oh, Miami, they loaded up. So what? Then, then you stink. Then you're just then you're then all these moves you say change the direction of organization. They didn't do that. You're still below average. You're still you still stink. Because then what's going to change the next year? Buffalo's still going to be good. Miami's only going to be better. New England's not going to get worse. Like, you know, I don't want to hear that shit. I don't. And, and and frankly, Jets fans shouldn't stand for it. If you're the one saying it, you shouldn't be saying it. And if you're listening, you should say fuck that. I don't want to hear this. You know, it's a tough schedule. No you ever shit. See, you ever see Big Daddy? Who's Big Daddy? With Adam Sandler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's like, the goddamn Jets. That's all, that's all I'm thinking about right now. The goddamn Jets. I just I just don't like – I don't like the excuse making. I don't like the acceptance of mediocrity. Like, oh, I just don't like it. I, I just think that's shitty. I, I don't want to hear that. You don't hear good teams talking about how difficult their schedule is. Your schedule certainly isn't worse than more difficult than anybody that's playing in the AFC West. So, ladies and gentlemen, June second, three fifty, and my boy is already pissing him on about the Jets fans. The Jets. I'm just. He I'm, might be already. He might be already looking forward to the draft. I'm pissing, I'm pissing. I'm pissed about the Jets fans or any of these critics who are talking about like, wow, it's a tough schedule. Fuck off. No, everyone has a tough schedule, dude. The Rams had a tough schedule last year. You want to be the Rams last year? You want to go back and look at that schedule? That was a fun schedule. They won a goddamn Super Bowl. Be great or just admit otherwise you're just saying you suck. And I don't want them to suck. It's like you're already planting the seed. Like, oh, That's what I, yeah. It's going to be the another tough one. Right there. Fuck off. Again, this is not happening in-house. They're not saying this from the Jets organization. But I don't want to hear that stuff. I don't want to hear it because everybody has a tough schedule. This is not college football where Ohio State basically has two two difficult games every year. You know, Michigan and either Wisconsin or Iowa, like, and everybody else is is a mail in job. No, this is the NFL. All the games are hard. Okay, even the easy ones are hard. Okay, so I don't want to hear that shit. They're hard for everybody. Two years ago, the Jets beat the Rams. A year later, the Rams win the Super. Like, I don't want to hear it. It's just nonsense. 
Yep, Even I if it's you. true, you can't talk. You can't talk like that because what you're saying is we're not good. But it's a lot better that's not coming from in house. So after that, of course you know, not. It, it, yeah. Well, I shouldn't say. It. I was about to say it never would, but it does sometimes. But yeah, no. I, I like what I hear from the Jets, and I like what I'm seeing and hearing from OTAs and all that kind of stuff. And that's talk for another day. But um, it's all tough, man. I don't want to hear this. It's tough. It's a tough schedule. No fucking shit. You think that you're like, oh, the back ends, it looks easy. It, it's not, you know, it's not. And we'll tell, we'll talk Jaguars about Jaguars will be 11 and six. Yeah, fucking yeah. yeah. I mean, they got, a, they got the number one pick and they loaded up with, they fixed their offensive line. They got some weapons. Like what the hell you, you think Trevor Lawrence isn't going to be better this year? Of course he's going to be better this year. Like you think that's a mail-in game? They're all hard. They're all difficult, dude. Only the bears stick. Um, so that's my thing with the Jets. Hey, let's talk about you. You had this idea and I loved it. Because it looks like the opposite end of it. And it's always fun to kind of be a pessimist. Five worst quarterbacks in the NFL. I started with the fifth worst and went down to So did I, my friend. How about that? Why don't you start us off at number five? I'm going to keep it close to home. And I'm going Daniel Jones, the New York football Giants. I'm with you on that one. That's my number five as well. The New York Giants declined his option. He's never healthy. They have a new staff, a new line, and some weapons around them. And if Saquon can stay healthy, we'll see what he's got. But it doesn't look promising. Yeah, he's in Sam Darnold's shoes two years ago with the Jets where it's like, you got to show me something. Um, and you see you see glimpses. I've made ex- – I don't know if the word is excuses, but I've kind of made excuses for Daniel Jones because it's it has been a little unfair. Yeah. Because the team stinks. They got one of the worst offensive lines. Everybody's always banged up. Saquon's always banged up. He's always banged up. But sometimes you just, like, you got to fight through that shit. And great quarterbacks, great players make shit happen anyway. So, listen, this is certainly a make or break year for him. If he has a breakout season, then then things can change. But as things stand right now, yeah, he's my he's my number five. The vision isn't phenomenal. Um, it's it's nope. there's there's a couple. Solid teams, I think. And Eagles they maybe some moves solidify the maybe, offensive line. Yeah, yeah. I think Philly took a step up. I think maybe Dallas took a step back. I think the Commanders are kind of the same. They're just the same, mediocre yeah. at best. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, number four, you just mentioned him, Sam Darnold for me. Okay. Second year with the second team. A lot of pressure on the organization. Matt Rule, we've mentioned it a hundred times already this year. Their their defense is ready to go. I think the defense is almost ready to be top tier. I just don't know about their offense. Um, there are some weapons there on offense too. Christian McCaffrey's a big a big key there. If he stays healthy, I think it could help him out. And I don't know if he's if he he might have some competition. We don't know. Before the season starts. Yeah, I don't know if he has it in the beginning of the season, but it'll certainly be there as the season goes on, especially if he's doing poorly. Got off to a really good start last year. Um, got a little banged up. And once again, like, you know, I was a big Sam Darnold defender. If you're not able to play, dude, and this is what happened with the Jets. You get banged up. You get banged up. When you're reckless, this is what happens, and that's a problem. So my number four is – I'll call it like a slash here. Uh, Drew Locke and um, who's the other one that might start for Seattle? They're they're kind of not sure. 
not Geno Smith, is it? Geno Smith, yeah, yeah. Like it should be Drew Locke, but if it's Geno Smith, he's in the same goddamn slot. Um, and Drew Locke is the real shame of it because physically, I mean, he's as gifted as, as there is someone in the NFL. He has an absolute hose for an arm. He's a big kid. He's a thick kid. He's really friggin' athletic, pretty goddamn smart. There's just something, and a lot of times you can't just put your finger on it. I don't know if it's an incident. I don't know if it's an intensity level, a level focus level, a, a, a competitive edge. I can't tell you what it is. Um, we're gonna find out real soon because which it's interesting to see how will Drew Locke do with Seattle, but it's also how will Russell Wilson do with Denver. Um, and I may get into that a little bit later, but if Russell Wilson isn't isn't lighting shit up with Denver, then Drew Locke maybe gets a little bit of a break. Uh, yeah. But me, I look around the league and I'm like, you'd be hard pressed to find a, another team that like Drew Locke would probably start on. So he's my number four. Number three for me, I got our boy Trey Lance. Ooh, okay. Second year quarterback, hasn't played in basically two years, big shoes to fill. Jimmy G's got no Super Bowl and got an NFC Championship game. Great roster. Uh, you know my issues with Kyle Shanahan. Uh, I That uh, so I think. Well, this is part of it. I think. I think we're gonna find out. I think. I think you can right. shut me up or prove me right. We don't know that, right? We don't even know if it's definitely gonna be Trey at this point. Um, we kind of think it will be, but we don't I, even know. Yeah, I would go eighty twenty. You think so? Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my number three is Marcus Mariota. Uh, super nice guy. Okay, so this is nothing personal. But let's be honest. When he was a starter, he was bottom third statistically. They were mediocre to worse than that. That's why he became pretty much a career backup at that point. To think think about this. You were like the number one or number two pick in the, in the draft, and nobody else after your first team. Like even Jameis has another shot. Drew yeah. Locke's got another shot. Sam Darnold gets another shot. Like – Almost everybody who was drafted really high gets a second chance on a different on a different team at a different place. Marcus Mariota was given up on pretty quick, and what that says to me is that the rest of the league looked at him and was like, "Nope, we were wrong about this one." Like nobody cares. So to me, he's a backup. He's certainly he's obviously a bridge quarterback with Atlanta right now. Um, they don't really have. They've lost a number of weapons over the last two three years, so there's not a lot. Uh, that he'll be thrown to. So that's my number three, Marcus Mariota. Number two, you mentioned him, Drew Locke. Trader wow, you for, were even harsher on than I was. Trader for Wilson has a familiar tight end and no offense. I have to laugh, though. You, you get, As soon as a guy leaves the Broncos, you just fucking run him over with a tractor trailer. You were defending him last year. Well, listen, I think – well, you're training for a reason. You're training for a reason. It. No, I mean, I don't know. Absolutely. No, I love it. I love it. Hey, you're gone. Fuck you. As a familiar tight end, I was, I'm rooting for him like you do with Sam. I'm rooting for him. Sure. But I, just, I just don't know if it's in the cards. Yeah. Lockett and DK, he's got some weapons on the outside. Another guy that may have a quarterback competition before the season starts. You know, they're talking about maybe Baker there or who knows if something gets crazy with Jimmy G or whatever. But uh, tough division. You know, they're easily the worst team in that division, so I don't think that helps them out at all, too. So that's what this goes into the factoring. You just made a great point, though. Thanks. They do have some weapons there, dude. Mm -hmm. Like some real serious weapons. Drafted a running back. 
drafted a running back. They, they beefed up the offensive line a little bit too. Um, this could be actually a great spot for him because nothing is expected. We're not, people don't even people aren't even sure if he's going to start. Yeah, but certainly nothing is expected. And if he were to even show out just a little, like if, let's say Seattle was able to be like a 500 team, I can't yeah. imagine they will. Yeah. But imagine they were a 500 team and he was the starter for the whole season. That's a that win. actually would look very yeah. good. Yeah, agree. But I'm I'm with you. I have him pretty low there. Uh, my number two was one of your guys, Sam Darnold. Uh, you know, oh, the, right back at you. Yeah, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> Reality's a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Um, listen, it is what it is, man. What you see is what you see. Like you can't, you just can't keep going with the well. What's around him? <sighs> Sam's reckless. Sam with his body. Sam's reckless with the ball. Sam's reckless with his throws. Um, it's just funny to me, man. There is this like invisible ceiling on every player that we don't know where it is until they start playing in the NFL. You think about it. There's a quarterback in the NFL right now. That's probably getting more heat than anybody that's on this list. And that's Baker Mayfield. He's getting shit on by his own organization um, that drafted him number one overall. And nobody else wants to touch him with a 10 foot pole. The reality is if you look at that draft, Baker's the third best quarterback at worst, he's the third best quarterback that was taken. He has been a productive quarterback. Definitely. Sam Darnold has been bad. And Josh Rosen isn't even, I don't even know if he's still in the league anymore. He might be playing in the USFL. So um, <clears throat> we can say what you want about Baker, and I get on Baker all the time. Sam has been a real disappointment. I just think there is a ceiling on everybody. We don't know where it is until they fucking hit it. And it is what it is. You know, Tom Brady's ceiling was the fucking moon. And Sam Darnold's ceiling was about eight feet off the ground. I mean, it's just is, it just is what it is. What you see is what you get. He's had multiple opportunities on multiple teams. You can't even talk about the weapons anymore. Um, so yeah, it doesn't. I, I I take no pleasure in that putting him in. Yeah, yeah, court. yeah. So sounds familiar. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'll bet a lot of money that we have the same number one. I think we guy got this here. one right. Uh, I got Justin Fields. Me too. Buckeyes own. Never a fan. Neither one of us. I don't want to speak for you, but I know I could read a room. Uh, can't read a defense. We talked about that. Draft time and watching a full year of it. Bad roster. As you just mentioned before about going to the Jets, that, that is an absolute bad roster. Bad line. Bad weapons. Their number one receiver is now gone. Uh, and they have a defensive head coach. I don't know what their offensive staff looks like, but I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say not too confidently that it's going to help Fields out in year number two. Dude, that was as complete a description as you could possibly say. I mean, he just has he, – he struggles like a son of a bitch to get off his first read. It's like he may even know where to go, but it's just taking too long for him to find it. And then he gets he ends up getting lit up like a Christmas tree. Now, just for clarification, when I say he's taking too long, I mean it might take him an extra half a second, okay, or one – God forbid it's one full second – to like get to where everyone else is getting in half the time, meaning like quarter of a second. That's all the difference in the world. That's how hard this position is. Again, we're not trying to trash the kid. This is it's hard shit, dude. These guys are all friggin' talented. Physically, there's nothing wrong physically with Justin Fields. Strong arm, super athletic, big, strong body. He clearly works hard. There's no, I don't, I've heard nothing, anything like that. But the proof is in the pudding. When you watch film, when you watch him play, if his number one guy is open, he's good to go, dude. He will hit it. 
And if you scheme something where, where you can kind of give him a heads up, listen, if you see this defense, this is the guy that's going to come open, he's going to be just fine. And if you give him a nice crease up the middle to take off, dude, look out. I mean, super athletic, right? But I'm sorry. I don't care who it is, whether it's Chris Sims, who I agree with often, or anybody else. I'm telling you what I see. I'm telling you what the problem is. And, and none of that has changed over what I saw the over the, over the last season. So, um, And then everything else you said. There are no weapons. It's a bad offensive line. Um, you know, you got a defensive head coach. Regardless, it's a new head coach, which means new offensive coordinator first year. Uh, yep. I can't yep. imagine this is going to be like again. If he if he if he has this moderately productive season, then that's going to be a total success for him. But I just don't see it, dude. I just don't see it. There are certain things in this league you have to be able to do, and he just doesn't do them well. You know, he just doesn't do them well. It is what it is. So. Yeah, I got Daniel Jones, Drew Locke, Marcus Mariota, Sam Darnold, and Justin Fields as my five warriors again. Daniel Jones, Sam Darnold, Trey Lance, Drew Locke, Justin Fields. Very nice. Okay. Um, so last week we did two overrated and two underrated coaches. This week we'll do two overrated and two underrated players. How about that, right? And because I'm like a, I'm like a quarterbacks guy, I kept a, I kept my list actually to quarterbacks. I always have fun with this, so. Um, let's start with, yeah, you start us off. We'll start with overrated. Okay. My first, my first overrated player. Now I'm going to catch some heat for these, but it's no fun telling you that like a bad player is overrated. They're not overrated. They're kind of bad. So, um, these are going to be good players and you're gonna be like, what the hell are you talking about? But I'll explain. Uh, my number one overrated player is Kyler Murray. Uh, again, it's not that he's a bad player. I just don't think he's a superstar. I'm not... I'm not convinced he is a Super Bowl quarterback yet. I think there is still room for that. Like where I say like Lamar Jackson is not a Super Bowl quarterback. I don't think you're ever going to win less than 10 games, but I don't think you're going to win a Super Bowl. I think there's a cap on him. I'm not ready to say that quite yet. I don't think he's a Super Bowl quarterback because to me, maybe because of his size, maybe because of his demeanor, maybe because of his attitude, as the season goes on, he tends to – his his effectiveness seems to come down. Like he doesn't seem to be as a, like in the beginning of the season, he's running all over the place. He's making crazy throws. He's doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And by the end of the season, he's thrown for like 150 yards, getting sacked six times. And that's happened three years in a row. Now, is that Kyler? Is that the head coach? The, the offensive scheme? I don't know. I can only judge what I see. And right now for me, I'm looking at Kyler Murray and I'm saying he's overrated. Why? Because I'm getting this like he's a top five quarterback talk. And I'm sorry, you can't miss the playoffs most year. And then when you do make the playoffs, you get you get you go banged out in the first round, and you're gonna tell me he's one of the top five quarterbacks in the league. No, I'm sorry. I'm not gonna listen to that shit. So for me, Kyler Murray's one of the most overrated players. Would you take him or Lamar right now? Ugh. I actually like him better as a passer, obviously, than Lamar Jackson, but I think I would probably take Lamar Jackson because I think he's more consistent. I think, I, I think what Lamar Jackson is, I can count on on a weekly basis, whether it's week one or week 17. And Lamar, for some reason, and, and I know I know this has nothing to do with the talent on the field, but Lamar seems so likable, and Kyler just rubs me the wrong way. I, it's just I something. Think, I think I agree with you. And what I hear sometimes, not all the time, sometimes, 
is he's kind of like a locker room divider. There are some guys that do like him, and there's some guys that he just rubs the wrong way. And I think it's that kind of cocky, arrogant way about him. And this offseason, him fighting about his contract negotiation, that didn't help anything. Taking all, taking all the stuff off Twitter. It doesn't help, about dude, it. Because yeah. you think you're just doing that to the organization, but there are guys in that team that are that that look at that and they're like, you're a dick. And I go back oh. to like I go back to when he was coming out of school and uh he was on Dan Patrick's Super Bowl week. And Dan asked him the question, as good as an interview as he is, he's like, football or baseball? He goes, because I'm here and maybe football's not dead yet. And he froze, looked at his dad for a, for an answer, handled it the wrong way, like just come up like the like the, the Bull Durham. You know, yeah. I'm just here to like you know, pop up this product, like whatever. It was it was so awkward and weird, man. I just yeah. never got over that. And now watching what he's doing three years later. You yeah, start no to thanks. wonder whether he loves football or he just loves the football money. Because that was really the talk coming out of college, right? You can go play baseball and make a million as a, as a, a signing bonus, but you might yeah. not make it to the major leagues for five years if you do. Or you can come right out and make $8 million first year as a quarterback. Or he just loves the football rah-rah thing. And that's like – that's some, some guys do like that. Yeah. Manziel – there's this thing about him where he looks like he's hiding something. Mm. Like, like what you're saying about that Dan Patterson, like he, there's something he's got, but he yeah. doesn't want to cough it up. And sometimes it comes across as like, what the hell's going on here? Yeah. Like, what what is there um, an ulterior motive to what he's doing? Yep. So, yep. and then the reality is, his seasons, the, the last quarter of each season that he's played the last three years has been shit. It just is what it is. Yeah. So yeah. I don't want to hear he's Throwing like the ball, quarterback when he shits the left best handed and doing all kinds of stupid yeah. shit. And that's the most important time in a season, not the least important. That's when you should shine the most. That's when you have to step up the most. That's when you have to be the strongest leader, not the least. So anyway, that's that's my number one overrated. Number one for me, Aaron Rodgers. <sighs> wow. I can make an argument that he's underrated. One Super Bowl win. One Super Bowl appearance, Brady equaled that in one year in the NFC. Correct. He's 11-10 and 10 in the playoffs. He's 1-4 in NFC Championship games. He's had home field quite a bunch, including uh, yes. last year in the snow against a warm-weathered San Francisco 49er team, and I believe scored one touchdown. Correct. This has happened year in and year out. Um, I know your issues. Anyone that listens to this program knows your issues with Aaron Rodgers. So I honestly thought you were going to come out of the gate with this. I'm shocked that I beat you there. Um, listen, I feel like when you got that kind of t- – because how many times – Chris Sims says all the time, he's the best quarterback I've ever seen play. Well, he's only, right. yeah. he's only got one ring for it. True. So – I would I would agree if you yeah, I would agree with you I would agree with you um, <laughs> I would agree with you if it was only about the playoffs like he is an overrated playoff quarterback and I think that's his own fault like I don't know if he tightens up or you know there's an argument to be made that he 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 makes so few mistakes that come playoff time you gotta be a little more balls to the wall like take some chances, yeah. take some shots. You can't just play it close to the vest in a playoff. You're playing the best teams. You have to you have to take more chances. I think he doesn't like to take those kind of risks in game. And in playoffs, it doesn't cost him in a regular season. 
Um, in fact, that's why I would say I think he, for a regular season quarterback, he's probably underrated. Because imagine if you took him off that team. Like, I don't think they're even a 500 football team. And they're a pretty solid football team. Yeah. The rest of that team is pretty solid, you know. So, um, but, yeah, as a playoff quarterback, you just you just rifled off all the numbers. That's a bad look, man. Mm-hmm. It's a bad look to also at this in the same breath say you're one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Ah, I'm sorry, but no, like that's, you don't get on that list when you have like a sub 500 playoff record, you know, and he's on the brink of doing that because you only get one loss every season in the playoffs. Yeah, You can't get multiple losses. You can get multiple wins, but you can't get multiple losses. I mean, last week coach, you brought up Dan Marino. Yeah. You don't think Dan Marino would give his fucking left arm to have a, t- a team like the, oh, uh, dude. the Packers and play more opportunities than that? Oh my god! And Come he on, was man. as competitive as they came. As they yeah. came, he was as r- much of a risk taker as there as there was. Um, yeah, I mean, sure. So I hear what you're saying. As far as playoffs go, he's absolutely overrated because he just he he just tightens and up coach, too much. And listen, and what's an asshole theory. And what's the name, of, what's the name of the game? Got to win the game. To win, be clutch yeah, to the playoffs to get the Super Bowl. Yeah, got to win the game. End the story. So yep. yeah. Yeah, you can't tell me if you put it in the framework of you're one of the best quarterbacks of all time, and then you tell me you got a 500 playoff record. Yeah, and you got you're one and four in NFC Championship games. Yeah, that's hard to do, and most of those were at home, you know. So yeah, you make a good argument there. Um, my number two, this is going to rub you the wrong way. My number two is Russell Wilson. Um, and the funny thing about this is I'm a Russell Wilson guy. I'm a huge Russell Wilson fan. Um, I'm I'm so fascinated now. I'm really starting to look because it's always been, you know, for the last couple of years, it's like, man, this, this Broncos team is super loaded. They just don't have a quarterback. I've made that argument, right? I'm sorry. I, I, I can't hear you. What are you saying? What are you saying? Very, <laughs> <laughs> on this very podcast, I've made the argument. They're like, dude, they're, very, they're loaded. They're just without a quarterback. I just – are we? I, I asked you this question either last week or two weeks ago, whatever the hell it was. I said, are you certain, are you sure that Russell Wilson's the guy that puts you over the edge? Like not just a 500 team or just above a – like you're now – you're sure you're a Super Bowl contender. Like you're so sure about the rest of this team that you are you know that you're a Super Bowl contender this year. And I'm not as sure as you. How about I'll put it that way. I'm not as sure. Russell Wilson has never been a guy to carry a team with massive numbers. I said this last time when they did the whole, we'll let Russ cook. They didn't do real well. Okay. When they just let him drop back and throw it 45, 50 times a game, they didn't do well. They did best when they had a really strong running game and a really strong defense. And Russ only had to do what Russ needed to do. He didn't have to carry the whole team on his back. Now, your argument was he doesn't have to carry the team on his back now. But if you're telling me that, like, you're, you were short a quarterback and now you have the guy, you're expecting him to carry a certain amount of the burden sure, here. Sure. I mean, it's the most important position. So, I'm not, again, doesn't mean he stinks. I'm a Russell Wilson fan. I would certainly want him as my quarterback. Any team would be happy to have him as their quarterback. I just think sometimes the narrative gets ahead of the production. And I just don't know that the we've seen – I don't want to, and I don't want to hear about like he hasn't had weapons. He's had weapons, man. You can't jerk off about DK Metcalf and his speed and body all the time, and then say he doesn't have weapons. He's had some weapons there. He's not throwing to nothing. Okay, 
he's not the John what the Giants were. Or he wasn't what Houston was, and somehow whatever that fucker about down there, Davis Davis Mills is putting up numbers too. So this is almost more of a I don't know if it's a prediction. It's kind of a prediction. Like I think we might find out this year that Russell Wilson's a little overrated. How about that? A little overrated. Just a little overrated. That's all. I'm not saying he stinks. I think he's really good. I would love him on my team. I'll probably trade Zach Wilson for Russell Wilson, but one Wilson for another. But I'm just saying, I don't think I don't think he's Tom Brady. I don't think he's Aaron Rodgers. I don't think he's Josh Allen. I don't think he's um, uh, Joe Mahomes. I don't know if I'd go quite that far. Herbert. He's not. He's not Justin Herbert either. Although Justin Herbert's not the winner that he's been. You just look Staff- at him. You're like, Stafford. I would put him in the same class. I agree. I'd put him in the same class. I agree with everything you said there. So um, I, I, I can see where you're going with that. I, I hope you're wrong, obviously. Um, but I can see where you're going with that. And you can make an argument, too, that he, once the Legion of Boom got a little old in the tooth, Marshawn Lynch went away. They, you know, need, they, they, they also they were, Once he got paid, you once you get paid, yeah. you need to carry more of the burden. And I'm yeah. sorry, he really didn't. And I know he's been, I know they're not, they didn't help him with the line, and I know that their offensive staff has been a little, I think, fired. I could, but listen, but you're right. But a guy that popular and that good, good. Yeah. should step up. I, I, Nate Manning I, didn't get to complain about his offense coordinator. Tom Brady didn't have a decent receiver other than Randy Moss for 20 years. Adam Case. So, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I like, do. You know, I do. If you're that good, you overcome that stuff. Yep. For 15 years, you didn't know who the offensive coordinator of the Packers was. Like, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're that good, you just you're 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 above that shit. So that's why. Again, I'm not saying he stinks. Don't turn this into nope. oh nope, I nope, that's not what I'm saying, folks. Not at all. I think he's really good. My second overrated player, running back, you want to guess. Overrated? Yep. Running back. Hmm. Nope, I don't. Christian McCaffrey. Yes, good call. Very good. The last two years, he's had 1,159 total yards. Total. Yep. Eight touch, eight touchdowns since the contract extension of $64 million. <laughs> he's been hurt the last two years. I think what he's they, missed. What do they say is the best ability? Availability. Availability. You could, I made the argument before that I think he hurt Sam Darnold by going down. Sam Darnold was off to oh a God. pretty good start. Yeah, they were a different team. Before that all happened, the yeah. wide receivers all of a sudden are more open. The tight ends all of a sudden are more open. Do you know who the number one rusher in the NFL was the first three weeks of the season? Was it Christian McCaffrey? It was Sam Darnold. Why? Was because, it really? Yeah, because you had number Christian one rusher. McCaffrey. Yes, really. I think, had, I think he had the most touchdowns in the NFL, the most rushing touchdowns in the NFL. As of week three, you could check that wow. out if you want. Wow! But why is that? Yeah. Because there's so much attention to Christian McCaffrey. I don't yeah. think I don't think Sam scored another touchdown the rest of the season once McCaffrey went down. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Benched. Yeah. So I. Yeah. And you know, like I said before, with Sam Darnold, the pressure is on in Carolina, and if Matt Rule's probably blighting candles and going to church and hoping this guy stays healthy for him. So for sure. Yep, I think that's a good one. If you're not on the field, dude. Your talent level doesn't matter. Um, uh, my first underrated player is Kirk Cousins. I think, uh, again, I don't think Kirk Cousins is great. Uh, I, I think Russell Wilson is better than Kirk Cousins. But I think Kirk Cousins, I think he gets a little, I think he gets a little belittled 
because they uh, the last couple seasons Minnesota hasn't had the record that they should. And frankly, he hasn't been the greatest prime time Correct. performer. Okay, we recognize that. But if you just look at him statistically, dude, the guy puts up monster numbers year in and year out. Frankly, the numbers that he, 30 plus touchdowns, less than 15 interceptions, over 4,000 yards. Oh, by the way, we were just talking about McCaffrey never being able to play. Show me the last time Kirk Cousins missed a game. He's not exactly the biggest quarterback in the NFL, but somehow he doesn't miss games. He's always available, which means Minnesota always has a chance. Okay. Um, I just think he gets crushed. And, and mate, listen, this is the deal being the quarterback and being the guy who said, take that or whatever the hell he said. How do you like that? Or you like that? You like that. Yeah. Like, and getting the big money and getting, being the first guy to get that big guaranteed contract, the pressure comes with that. So that's okay. <clears throat> You're going to have to take that heat. But if you just look at it objectively, the guy puts up big numbers, throws a lot of touchdowns, and doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. So it is what it is, man. Most teams would be happy to have a Kirk Cousins on their team. Yeah. You wish, most teams wish they, I'll put it to you this way even if they don't want Kirk Cousins, if you just could get a guy that had Kirk Cousins numbers, they would, oh, there's, how about there, 32 teams in the league? There's probably 25 teams that would take that guy. Right? I was going to say 22. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. I'll take 22. Yeah. Just think about that. Yeah, yeah. Think about that, man. So we, you wouldn't call Kirk Cousins a top 10 quarterback, but yet there's 22 teams in the league that would take him, his stats as their quarterback. Yep. I can Isn't see that. that. Something? Yeah, so that's why I, 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 think he gets, I think he gets a little crushed uh, unfairly. Yeah. I know another guy that's had defensive uh, staff as his head coach for a long time. Yes. In both spots. Both. You're correct. You're correct. Uh, my first underrated player, another running back. You want to take a guess? <sighs> underrated running back. You're going to be shocked by this one in Go more ahead. ways than one. Go ahead. That would be Ohio State and Dallas Cowboy Ezekiel Elliott. Underrated? And I'll tell you why. Oh, you're drinking way too much. You started early drinking, I, didn't you? I was, I was, I've been killing him oh for about God. two years. They should cut him! Well, the money was standing, I agree with that. However, stat-wise, over 1,000 yards, four out of six years in the league, and the one year he didn't, he had 979. 56 career rushing touchdowns, 12 receiving touchdowns. McCarthy will hurt his career because he wants to throw the ball 60 times a game going forward. But if the Cowboys stick to the run game like they did early on, with him now getting a little older and Tony Pollard, Think they're a better team. Let me ask you something in your yes, little sir. statistics list over there. Do you happen to have what his yards per carry was last year? Because no, yeah, it's not. It's four point three. It's actually not that bad. Was it really? Yeah, I thought. I thought that. I thought it was gonna hurt my argument. It did not. I thought it was like. I thought it was like three point three. I would have thought something. Yeah, something like around three and a half. Yeah. It was four. It was four. Almost four. All right. And a half. All yeah. right. He put up a decent fight there. I'll leave it alone. I still. I wouldn't want him, and I can't imagine there are too many teams that want him. Well, but certainly well, at the price. Now. Yeah, yeah, certainly at the price. That's a problem. Um, my number two most underrated, uh, and it's quarterback, and that would be Lamar Jackson. Um, you just asked me before you led into this for me perfectly. Thank you for asking me who I'd rather have, Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson. That's what I do. Listen, you know, think around the NFL how many teams go a decade or more not having a winning program and almost exclusively because you don't have a quarterback. I know the Buffalo Bills are really good right now. 
before Josh Allen got there, they had gone the longest stretch of any team in the league without making the playoffs. Why? Because they hadn't had a quarterback forever. Okay, basically since, you know, I don't know, fucking Drew Bledsoe was there or something like that. Mm. Um, you know, you can name the team. Cincinnati, go forever, bad organization. Why? Didn't have a great quarterback. Chicago Bears, although somehow they have like this tradition of being great, they're bad for the longest amount of time. At best, they're average. Why? No quarterback. Cleveland um, Browns. Cleveland Browns, perfect example. How many – before Baker got there, now oh even if you God. take – how many quarterbacks did they go through over like a 10-year period? It was something. It was like – There was a stat. There was a stat. Remember Joe Thomas, the, the all-pro? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many quarterbacks he played? Dude, I think, I, think it was like, I think it was like fucking 35. It was something crazy. In some game he's introduced himself in the huddle to these guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I think Lamar Jackson's underrated in the sense of – I don't think you can – while he has some shortcomings, I don't think you can – I don't think we appreciate um, the consistency that that brings. I truly believe – I tr- now, they didn't win 10 games last year, but that was because Lamar Jackson was hurt. I truly believe he plays a full season. They never – at least uh, watching him play, at least for another three to five seasons, at the current you know, style that he has and ability – I just don't see him losing more than 10 games. I mean, winning less than 10 games. And I don't think people understand what that is. The Jets are another team. Like, you go like a decade, you can't make the playoffs because you don't have just that consistent, really good player that you can count on week in and week out. I don't know about Lamar Jackson and the playoffs and all that kind of stuff, but on a week in, week out basis, which is what your fan base is really built on a lot of times, okay? Your local fan base is built on week in, week out. The people who come to the stadium is built on what you do week in, week out, not so much the playoffs. They're there for you in the playoffs, of course, and you can gain you know, bandwagon fans in the playoffs. But you build your fan base locally by winning and being consistent winners week in and week out. And you just look at the Baltimore Ravens. I've said this a thousand times. When he's there – they are a seven out of 10 games winner. Like it just mm-hmm. is what it is. It's going to be that way for a while. And I think that part of it is underrated. So um, again, you look around the league and you say, would you take a Lamar Jackson over what you have now? Mm-hmm. Especially if you've been mediocre, the answer for most of these teams would be yes. And what's so fascinating about him is that last year he was hurt, but it wasn't because of his running. It was something that happened in the pocket with him staying in the pocket, which was so so interesting. So he, for all that he does and all the the athleticism that he shows and, and running the ball and all that stuff, he really doesn't get hurt. That was a really weird, you know, injury that he got. So, I mean, to me, I actually think he's up. And it's funny because people say, well, you bash him all the time. No, I just don't think he's a Super Bowl quarterback. But that doesn't mean you can't be a really good quarterback in the NFL. Okay. I don't think Baltimore fans are sad to have him at quarterback, even if they don't think he can win them a Super Bowl. It's great. It's great, or I should say it must be great as a fan going into I, – I wouldn't know um, – going into each week <laughs> thinking that you have a really good chance of winning that game. I have no – I don't know what that's like, you know? So I think that's under. I think that's an underrated talent to, to give your team a chance to win every single week. My second underrated player, and I think you're a fan, wide receiver – Chargers, Keenan Allen. Over the last five years, over a thousand yards, four to five years. 
Wow. This other year, 992. 32 touchdowns in that span. 100 catches every year except one, and that year was 97. This guy is consistent. He's done it with three different quarterbacks. Well, he's two, Rivers and, and Herbert. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Herbert started right year after. Yeah, so two quarterbacks. You want to talk about a rookie coming into the league and having a guy like that? That's exactly what you need, man. Absolutely. Doesn't hurt. They've had good tight ends to help him out. Running game has been okay. But when he's healthy, man, he is unbelievable. I hate him because he's a charger, but he's a very good player. <laughs> of course. Of course. No, I like that one. Yeah, I like that one. All right, so my, my two overrated were Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson. My two underrated were Kirk Cousins and Lamar Jackson. My two overrated were Aaron Rodgers and Christian McCaffrey. My two underrated were Zeke Elliott and Keenan Allen. Nice. Uh, just a reminder, we have our T-shirt giveaway. All you have to do is be a subscriber to the podcast or to the YouTube channel or both. That'd be nice. Um, and then leave us a comment. Leave us a comment on YouTube, on Facebook, on Instagram, uh, anywhere you like, and you'll be entered into the contest. And you'll get a T-shirt of the team of your choice. Um, also, if you go on the Anchor app and leave us a voice message, you will be you will get five entries. So one voice message is five entries. Gives you so much better a chance to win. And you get a T-shirt of your favorite team. NBA Finals are upon us, which is – the playoffs have been a lot of fun. I have to acknowledge that the playoffs have been a lot of fun. It's been physical, which I like. It's been a lot more physical than the regular season has been. Uh, so we have the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics, two vastly, vastly different teams here. Um, what do you think about how they got here or what we're about to see? Yeah, you know, Boston beat the Heat in an exciting game seven last Friday night. I believe it was last Friday night. I think you're right. Um, Jimmy Butler did everything he could to carry the Heat. It just wasn't enough. As we mentioned last week, they had a couple guys banged up. Yeah, and it showed. And that's the guys. only thing that has held these playoffs back as being great is that yeah. there's been a couple injuries. Yeah, I agree. Untimely with that. injuries. Um, a couple guys didn't step up out mount as much as they should have. Uh, at the end, Jason Tatum was fantastic. Um, Marcus Smart's been great, although for a five minute stretch he tried to give the game away. Um, the Warriors beat up on the Mavericks as to be expected to get here. Uh, my prediction for this is Warriors in six, and I have Clay Thompson winning the MVP. Yeah, um, I, this is an interesting series to me because um, both of these teams are coming up against somebody that they haven't really faced previously. So, like, mm. Golden State has faced teams that kind of have that one dude that's a star, and he's kind of got complementary players around him, but he, there's not not like they haven't he hasn't they haven't faced a team that has like multiple like big time stars, you know, Luca was by himself, that kind of thing. So, and on the other side, uh, Boston has kind of, I'll call it a little luck of the Irish here. Each team they've played has either come into the series with injuries or during the sea, during the series acquired some injuries and they were still really tough series that went down to the wire other than the one with the nets. Of course they trashed the nets. So, so now Boston's coming in against the team, that is very healthy, and, you know, and you have multiple scoring options. And Golden State's coming up against a team that plays exceptional defense and has multiple players that can score and threaten you as opposed to anything that they've faced. So I just think it's I think it's really interesting what's going forward here. Um, I, I think Golden State's going to win also, 
here's here's what I think though. I think the MVP is going to have to be Steph. Now, if Boston were to win the series, I think there's the potential for different players to be yeah MVPs because Brown Williams. Tatum, obviously. You have guys, multiple guys that have very distinct roles. And then you have Tatum and Brown who can dominate at any given time. And for a short series, any one of them could. Whereas to me, if Golden State is going to win the series, Steph has to play really well. And if Steph doesn't really pl- doesn't play really well for most of the series, they're not going to win. That's fair. Like, I, I just can't see that. So I do think Golden State's going to win. Um and I think Steph will be the MVP. But it, it will be interesting. This is by far, Boston is by far the stiffest defense that they're going to face, that they face in this whole series, in this whole playoffs. And um, we'll see what, we'll see what that does. I don't know. I don't know. Dallas certainly doesn't play great defense. You know, it's, it's a, it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating matchup because they haven't faced Anyone like they're facing each of them isn't fa- hasn't faced any much. Okay, so um, you're taking you think Golden State and and Clay is going to be the MVP. Yes, sir. All right, I got Golden State, but I think Steph, and I think it has to be Steph. I yeah, I, I hear you. I was trying to be a little cute on it. Yeah, and Clay's been Clay's been playing better last couple series. So. Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, we're gonna cut it off here for today. Don't forget the Jack Nicholas uh, Memorial is on TV this week, and that's always a fun thing to watch because it just has a feel of a. Uh, of one of the majors, even though it's not. Uh, maybe catch a Yankee game. I think there's a good chance there might be a little Yankee talk next week. We'll see how that goes. We'll see. Unless the magic just continues and Sky just wants to stay the hell away from that shit. So. <laughs> 68, my man. How are we doing with that? Who do we I got, got four what? names for you. All right. Better than last week. The first one, uh, familiar to you, pal. Seven-time All-Pro, eight-time Pro Bowler, 2000 All-Decade Team, Hall of Famer, Seahawk, Jet and Titan center Kevin Malai. Very, very good player. Number three, four-time All-Star, war number 68 because he's six foot eight. Former Yankee and Met relief pitcher Dellen Batantis. Mm. Number two, three-time Super Bowl champ, four-time All-Pro, four-time Pro Bowl, 1980s All-Decade, Hall of Fame, Washington Redskin lineman, Russ Grimm. And number one, three-time All-Pro, 12-time Pro Bowl, 2000 All-Decade team, I hate the fucking prick because he was a rival of mine nah. and a tremendous player. Hall of Fame chief guard, Will Shields. Uh, very good. Yes, indeed. Uh, for my news of the week here, some of you fans of Las Vegas are not going to be thrilled. But it looked – oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-oh. You know, <clears throat> one of the biggest industries in Las Vegas is uh, happy weddings that go on. And – a, a significant number of them. Happy endings or happy weddings? Weddings. What up, bum? The happy weddings often end in a happy ending, but that's for another time. Um, and a, a significant portion of those weddings take place as Elvis-themed weddings. Um, but Las Vegas chapels of love that use Elvis Presley's likeness to find themselves becoming heartbreak hotels. It looks like the organization... Um, that uh, is in charge of the the king. Okay, the idea of the Elvis, anything with Elvis, is petitioning uh, Vegas to say you can't use the Elvis likeness. Really? So it's literally this. If if this happens, and it's a cease and desist letter that's been sent to sent to the city of Las Vegas, um, 
you're gonna really gonna put a lot of people out of business because it's kind of like the whole thing is like Elvis themed businesses, which uh, Elvis themed weddings, which I find actually fascinating this day and age that anybody still gives a shit about Elvis because it's been dead for like 150 years. But I just thought it was something else to say for how many years you've had these Elvis themed weddings in Las Vegas and they very well maybe coming to an end. So if you were thinking about it, get there soon before, you know, it goes. You still have your whorehouses, you still have the casinos, you know, you still have all the good stuff, but you won't be able to get married in a uh, in an Elvis themed wedding anymore. Tony, you're the <laughs> For Scott Bracey, I'm Pete Colasano. You've been listening to Bump and Run. I'll see you guys next week. Later.